is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. The players getting deeper and deeper, and we got to dive right into it. I guess the best place to start will be with the Islanders. A 2-1 to loss to the Penguins missed an opportunity to take a 2-0 series lead. And this is something that I think is very interesting to debate. Did Barry Trotz do the right thing starting Simeon Varlamov? Let's weigh the pros and cons. And and this is something I brought up when I did the pregame yesterday on 9870 ESPN. So it's definitely not, you know, hindsight is 2020. It's not a second guess, it's a first guess. I would have went with Sorokin because of how well he played in game one. Why would you mess with a road playoff win? I know Varlamov is your starting goaltender, but believe me, there would have been an opportunity to put him back in like the second Sorokin lost or maybe had to get pulled in a certain situation. It wasn't like Varlamov was not going to get a chance to play again, and if he didn't get a chance to play again, that would mean Sorokin continued to win, you'd be continuing to win series, and it would be a non-issue. All right, He was itching to get Varlamov back in, Barry said that the reason he did it, because he's our starting goaltender. He had seven shutouts during the course of the year. Why wouldn't I play him? But he was a little rusty early on, gave up the two quick goals. And the problem with the Islanders, and we talked about their lack of offense at times, but they're a front-running team. And when I say that, it's not an insult. It's a team that I think really thrives with their system to score first. Because when they score first, they can kind of dictate policy and they can play their game. But when they've got to play the role of catch-up, especially falling behind by a couple of goals, now it's tough to play that same structure because you're looking for a goal. And when you're looking for a goal, sometimes you're taken out of that defensive structure. And what happens, Pittsburgh puts up 45 shots. Now, Varlamov played great. And I guess it does play into Trotz's hands now that he's got Varlamov playing at the top of his game after that rusty start, and he should be fine the rest of the series. And I still think the Islanders are going to win. So at the end of the day, Barry Trotz probably will turn out to be right. But maybe if Sorokin starts, you're up two games to none. Why take the chance? Now, we don't know how Sorokin would have played, but based on how well he did in game one, I think he should have gotten the start. He didn't. Varlamov gets off to a slow start. They never really recover. The Islanders did put 38 uh, shots on goal. They did beat Jari just the once. Bailey does it, and he does it in the second period. And where does he do it? High glove side. So that continues to be an Achilles heel for Jari, but he made the 37 other saves that he had to make to win the game 2-1. to one. I think the Islanders are going to be okay just something to think about with the Varlamov but the fact that he ended up playing so well after those two goals that maybe they got him set you're going back to the barn for game three all you ever want to do is get the split on the road anyway so I think the Islanders will be okay but just an observation before and after the fact Panthers in a load of trouble goaltending change didn't seem to help a little bit more of a conservative game not the craziness that we saw with all the goals in game one but still a solid game as the lightning win 3-1 over the Panthers the empty net goal ended up coming um, late to make it a two-goal game as Gord put it into the empty net with 125 remaining in regulation otherwise it was a tight game throughout but listen the lightning are good Okay, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. And the reason that Tampa is so good is they can play anyone, any way you want to play it. Now, you want to play it wide open like it's 1986, we'll beat you 7-6. If you want to play it more conservative, you want to play it tight to the vest, lot, not a lot of shots on goal, you know, we'll, we'll beat you that way too. Because they've got Vasilevsky, who's one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. They've got a very deep blue line. Play any way you want to play it. 
So that's what makes the Lightning so scary. And now the Panthers are in trouble because they've lost the first two games uh, at home in what has been the best atmosphere of the playoffs, right? And it certainly will be better than anything we see in the North because we're not going to see fans until it looks like the 28th when Montreal will allow 2,500 fans. So we're not going to see any kind of atmosphere with the Canadian teams playing yet. But because the building was almost full, Panther fans, Lightning fans getting into it, it was just so cool for hockey to see these non-traditional markets play against each other for the first time and create an amazing atmosphere, something we have not seen since before the pandemic. So I give the Panther fans a ton of credit for that, but your team is in a little trouble here because the Lightning are so good, you give them this kind of an edge, it's going to be tough. Sometimes going on the road can be an elixir. I don't think the Panthers are completely done. I'd be shocked if they got swept, but let's face it, coming back from 2 nothing down, having to win four out of five games, um, or having to win at least a couple of games here on the road to be able to win this series uh, is going to be tough for the Panthers as the Lightning win that game 3-1. to Golden Knights finally score. I mean, it had to be in their heads, right? I mean, they just don't score in the postseason. Just eight goals in that loss to Dallas last year. Shut out in the loss in overtime in game one. And they didn't get a goal in the first period. Dumba scores with less than eight minutes to play in the second period to give Minnesota the one to nothing lead. And you're thinking, all right, when are the Golden Knights going to score? Well, they did. And Marsha Show's been a catalyst for them since day one. And what does he do? He scores like less than 20 seconds later and that really just calmed everything down okay because it you didn't even get to think about being down one nothing and the golden knights tied the game so it did a couple of things right it tied the game but it also gave the golden knights their first goal of the series and then tuck did what he did scores late in the second period his first and then he gets the goal uh, in the third period into the empty net and that finishes off the Wild and that series even at a game apiece. They need Max Pacioretty back. He's missed eight games now with the injury. If they get him back, I think they're going to be okay because, to me, he's their top scorer, okay? He's the guy that you fear. He's the guy that you kind of game plan for, at least the way he was playing this year. With him out, it's going to be tough. The feeling is that he will play. But, boy, if they had lost those first two games at home, Minnesota is going to be a tough place to have to go play in to come back from 2-0 down. But they end up getting three goals. They come from behind to win. So maybe that's enough for the Golden Knights to kind of feel good about themselves going into Minnesota for game number three. All right, Capitals and the Bruins. You know, the conversation around this one is just going to be, you know, what are we going to see from the players that have been out because of the COVID situation. Now, Eller is supposed to return for Washington. That's good news. So, But we're still waiting for Kuznetsov. We're still waiting for Samsonov. So, you know, the goaltending situation with Craig Anderson, it's a great story, but is it going to be enough for Washington to be able to survive? He's been great in this series, but against a Boston team that I think is better anyway, that's a tough spot for the Capitals to be in. That's the 6.30 Eastern time start with the series tied at one. Both games have gone to overtime. 8 o'clock tonight, the Predators and the Hurricanes. Hurricanes romp to a 5-2 win. It was the actual first game that was decided by more than one goal in game one and uh, Nashville hung in that game that game was tied at two in the second period but the Hurricanes just have too much firepower and we'll see what happens tonight the atmosphere in Carolina has been tremendous as well we finally get a look at the Canadian teams tonight at nine o'clock Jets and the Oilers that's going to be on NBC Sportsnet and that's a great decision by NBC Sportsnet too to telecast that
that game because when you get the Jets and the Oilers, you've got McDavid, all the firepower that Edmondson brings to the table with Winnipeg, with the Shifleys of the world and, and Kyle Connor and just how good that team is. And they just played miserably down the stretch. The Oilers have been the better team in the last month of the season. We'll see if this shows. I think it's going to be a fun series. I think Edmonton's going to win, but we finally see the Canadian teams play. And at 10.30, the Avalanche and the Blues. Uh, the Avalanche took care of business the third period of Game 1, and I don't think anything is going to change there. I think the Blues are in a little bit of trouble. And then we'll finally get to see Montreal and, and uh, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs coming up tomorrow, and then all the series will finally be underway. And in one last little footnote for you, we do get the final regular season game this afternoon between the Canucks and the Flames at 3.30 to finally put an official end to the regular season, an official end to the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks for the 2021 season and finally getting all that pandemic stuff out of the way. All right, let's hear from you. Want to get to a lot of tweets today. Uh, also, I want to remind you, I made a little bit of a mistake on Twitter earlier today. It's been a long day and it hasn't really even started yet for some people. But uh, Leia Hextall is going to be our guest coming up on Friday, not today. So we're going to talk to her about all the Canadian stuff. She can't give too much detail on the rumors about her going to ESPN, but we'll still talk as much hockey as we can with her coming up on Friday. So let's get to your tweets and let's start with Brett who says, why is Messier not getting a call to be involved somehow in the Rangers organization? Greatest leader in sports history, not saying he should be a GM or coach because he does not have the experience, but he should be involved somehow. It's disgraceful by the Rangers. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want to go say disgraceful. I think Mark wants to be the coach. I think he wants to have a very, very high um, position. And, you know, Adam Graves works for the organization. Brian Leach recently resigned, but had been working for the organization. I don't get the sense that Mark Messier wants to just have a role in the organization. I think he wants to have a major role in the organization. So before you start killing the Rangers, how much of a role does Mark Messier have in it? Now, I haven't heard anything officially yet that he turned anything down, but I don't get the sense from talking to people that he wants just some role uh, where he's just a, a partial or fringe guy. I think he wanted the, the the president's position before it went to JD. He wanted a head coach position before it went to AV, if you remember. I am not giving him the head coaching job. It's too important for somebody who's never done it before. It just is. And I don't think there's any reason why he can't go out there and pay his dues in some way, shape, or form. Brenda Moore did. Um, a, a lot of coaches who got their opportunities, did it by going through the minor leagues or as an assistant. And I know he's Mark Messier. It's hard to be an assistant. Well, Brian Trottier was an assistant, and he was a great player, a Hall of Fame player. Now, it didn't work out when he got the head coaching position, but he went out there with his assistant in Pittsburgh. He was an assistant in Colorado before he got the job uh, with the Rangers. Brenda Moore had been assistant in Carolina for a while. Kirk Muller was an assistant in several places before he got his position. John McClain, same thing, was an assistant for a long time. Again, some of them are on par with Messier. Some of them are not even close. But the fact is they were former great players that paid their dues someplace else to at least give a feel. Listen, you can know as much hockey as you can know. And nobody is ever going to question Mark Messier's ability to diagnose a play, put lines together, and all that. I mean, the guy knows hockey. There's no question about that. But is he head coaching material? And that's not going to be known until he does it. And can the Rangers, in the situation that they are in, you know, experiment with something and have it backfire and set themselves back. 
and I don't think you can afford to do that. It's a crapshoot no matter, no matter when you hire a coach or, or who you hire as coach, even if he does have experience. But no experience is going to hurt. David says the Tampa Florida series has been to uh, me my favorite playoff series up to this point. The Panther crowd is really into both games, and it's a series that you want to see what fireworks are going to happen, even if they lose. How bright of a future do you see the Panthers? Well, they're well coached. You like to get this goaltending situation, but um, I think Spencer Knight is somebody that's going to be a part of their future. Uh, they are loaded. It's become a destination. I, I really love the direction the Panthers are going. It just stinks that this is the matchup just for them. It's great for us, but to get the defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round, um, that good of a team, that experienced of a team hurts. Remember, this is a Florida team that has not been out of the first round since their run to the Stanley Cup final in 96. 1996, it's a long time ago. It's 2021 already, and if they get bounced in the first round here, which looks like likely the case after the two losses at home, you know, you're, you're, you're itching you know, 25-plus years of not being able to get out of the first round, and, and that's a shame, but otherwise I still think their future is pretty bright. Ryan says, been watching a lot of playoff hockey, and I have to say the Wild Vegas series is definitely going to go seven. I am hoping the Wild pull off an upset. You know, I picked the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Cup, but I also looked at the Wild as a team that can be really pesky, okay? They they remind me a lot of the Golden Knights in the sense that it's not about one guy, right? But they've got leadership with, with Parisi. Uh, they've got good goaltending. They don't have that great goal scorer yet. Uh, certainly, they're hoping uh, that Crilly can become that guy. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that he's at that level yet. He did score 20-plus goals in his rookie season, which is... Um, pretty amazing but uh the golden knights are kind of the same thing where they don't have that 40 goal score but they do have a well-rounded team i i think that series is going to go 7-2 i think it's going to be a lot of fun uh dave says hey don varlamov had a rough first period last night but really settled in after that do you think he can be a difference maker in the series he was a great goaltender throughout the regular season um, he is 11 and now he's 11 and eight in postseason games as a member of the Islanders. He's uh, still above 500 going back to his days uh, with other organizations, Colorado and Washington. Yeah, I think the way he played down the stretch, I think, is the silver lining in the loss where, you know, he wasn't like he was bombarded where you question now I got to go back to Sorokin. I think he played well enough after that first period where you can comfortably go with him in game three and that eventually, um, Barry Trotz will be uh, correct about what uh, he did in game two. Uh, Philippi or Philip says, uh, who do you think is the best fit for the Rangers as their new head coach? And who do you actually think will it be? And please do not say torts. I have an unpopular opinion, but I would lock Julian in to be the new coach. What do you think all the best? Well, Claude Julian has had his health problems. Claude Julian is a guy that has won a Stanley Cup, so that's certainly a positive for him. I don't know if he's really necessarily the fit with the Rangers. And again, don't get me wrong when I say that um, I think John Tortorella is going to be the guy. That's just my feeling. I understand the negativity around him about will will the Stars want to play for him? Will they adjust to his style? But, you know, a guy, a Bruce Boudreaux is a guy that I think could fit because I think he's handled the Stars well. In his career, he has had success, not the ultimate success, but a lot of success. Um, but the, each guy brings a positive and a negative. I don't know if anybody's a slam dunk. I don't think Babcock's going to get a look. Rick Tockett was in for an interview, is going to be in for an interview. He's 
an interesting character. Not sure that he is the best fit, but um, I'm not really sure that Claude Julian would be the guy. Um, other people think so. Kevin says, who will be the next head coach of the Canadians, and will Claude Julian land another job? I think Claude will. And the next head coach of the Canadians could be the guy that's in there right now because they did do a pretty decent job. Not not the greatest of jobs when he took over for Julian. Claude's a lifer for sure. I just don't know if he's the perfect fit for the Rangers. But um, I do think Claude Julian is a good enough coach that he will land a job somewhere down the road. But I give the Rangers credit. They're spending a lot of time interviewing, which I think is definitely a positive for Chris Drury. Uh, Chris says, a Flyers owner, Dave Scott, said the team's season was unacceptable no players or assistant coaching changes were made in season, and Scott said he doesn't expect major trades. If the front office is the front office saying the season is acceptable with the lack of moves, well, I wouldn't get too caught up in what Scott's saying because you can only make the moves you can make. You're kind of landlocked as far as the head coach is concerned with the money that you gave AV. So I don't think he's going anywhere. So you're going to keep the coach and you're going to keep the structure with the general manager. Too much was put into that. But there's no way he can look at this roster and say there can't be major changes. Now, you define major change. I mean, Gostaspera was a guy that was waived, all right? They, they have a young blue line, but I, I think it's time to start deciding what direction you're going to go in with some of these guys because it was un, in, uh, unacceptable, this performance. The goaltending situation, is Carter Hart the guy? I think he regressed. I think Ron Hextall turned out to be right. He was rushed up too quickly last year. He's still a kid. He's still very young. Look at goaltenders. Not a lot of 22-year-old goaltenders excel in this league. But you have to ask yourself, is he the guy? And was his performance the main reason why this team didn't make the playoffs? But there's going to be some moves. What do you do with Nolan Patrick? Is he somebody that is long-term for this team? He has been a disappointment, both health wise and production wise so when you say major changes are they going to tra- are they going to trade Voracek are they going to trade Giroux uh, are they going to make a major deal that way you know probably not but to say that you're not going to tweak after a disappointing season it's all just the semantics of whether you believe it's a major change or a minor change but I think there are going to be changes in Philadelphia to that roster Mega Red says do you like playoff overtime being five on five or would you prefer the regular season three on three but no shootout no 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 don't met the playoffs get it right you know the excitement the tension the three on three would just be uh, I, I I don't I think too comical there's no reason that you, you you would stray. In a regular season, you've got constraints. The, guys, the team's got a road game the next day, and they can't play all night, so you have to kind of come up with a way to end the game quickly. That's why they went to three-on-three, three, and that's why they went to the shootout, where you're still awarded a point so you can compromise the way the game looks because you still earn a point for participating in the three-on-three or the shootout. But with no points to be awarded and just trying to survive in advance, you don't touch you don't touch it. And so far, it hasn't been a problem. These overtimes really haven't lasted that long. None have gone to a second overtime. Most of them have ended in the first half of the overtime period. Some of them, like the Boston game, ended like 30 seconds in. So, no way. You don't touch. You don't touch perfection, brother. This is the way it should be forever and a day. And I know it had been suggested, well, if you're going to play three, four overtimes, at some point you got to go to the shootout. No way. 
It's too epic. It's too perfect. It's the reason why the NHL playoffs are the best playoffs in, in any postseason in sports, and because of that overtime and that intrigue, and that's what makes it so damn fun. I do not touch any idea of changing that whatsoever. All right, lots of games to get into on Friday, so we will talk to Leah Hextall then. And we'll get her ideas on what's going to be happening with the Canadian divisions by then. Everybody will have played because tonight we've got Winnipeg and Edmonton. Tomorrow we've got Montreal and Toronto. So by Friday, every series will be underway and we'll get a little clearer picture of how things are going in the first round. So best way to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll be back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.